Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here. We are your independent voice of Fulham FC and this is the first Fulhamish Extra of the season. We'll be looking ahead to the Blackburn game on Saturday, but more importantly, we'll be reflecting on an intense transfer deadline day where three signings were made and one signing wasn't. And, uh, well, what's more important is uh, potentially the topic of debate on today's show. I'm joined on the phone right now by Farrell Monk. Hello, everyone. And I'm joined on the phone by Ben Jarman. How are you guys doing? Hello, doing very well, thank you. Well, this is a bit of a first, having to get you guys on the phone, but at the moment it is 11 o'clock and uh, we all should be cooped up in bed, but I imagine we wouldn't anyway, even if we were doing a podcast, because it was a pretty intense day. Three signings came in, uh, so you've got Harrison Reed, Bobby Reed, and Josh Onoma uh, coming in as part of the Ryan Sessegnon deal. Um, lads, uh, Farrell, I'll start with you. Your, your first thoughts on, on a hectic transfer deadline day? Yeah, it was it was probably the most active we've had in terms of like different rumours uh, floating about. It seemed to be, you know, we forget about some of the rumours that were floating about in terms of Harrogate Onage from uh, Huddersfield and that was going to be sort of like the right back, right wing back kind of solution to a lot of people's uh, problems. There are obviously other ones, but, you know, we've come away with a few deals. I'm not going to say that they've plugged the individual places that we really need to to sort but they are kind of players that have got the championship experience uh they are players who have definitely got uh promotion material in them i'm looking at bobby reed in particular um so i i, I do think it's a su- successful day however i would you know i would like to point out that with the financial clout and the sort of the size of the club in inverted commas big club alert that you know perhaps we should be more successful in the transfer window um, ben, how would you rate it out of out of ten? Uh, your your feelings from today's deadline? I think for for most people, certainly myself included, it's pleased, but just tinged with a real sense of disappointment. It could have been a lot, lot better. Well, I think I'd probably give it around about a seven overall. Obviously, it would have been maybe a ten if we had managed to get in a centre half and a, and a right back, which. To neglect those positions after being the worst defence in Europe last year is a, is a massive disaster for the club. We definitely need reinforcements there, especially at centre-half. It's it's fairly weak. Um, and to completely ignore that or try and go for it in the last 90 minutes of the window, as rumoured with Michael Hector, is a complete failing on the club's part. They've had all summer to do this and, and they haven't secured anyone for that position of any quality or anyone at all. So for me, yeah, like you say, this this window and, and the closing day of the window has been really dramatic and massively positive with both of the reads coming in uh, and Josh Onoma. But it is a massive, massive disappointment that we haven't been able to plug those gaps at the back where we were so, so suffering. Well, we'll come on to those. I just wanted to read a few of the uh, three-word reviews for the transfer deadline day before we kind of discuss each deal in detail. Uh, Aaron McGuigan, only the lonely, which I thought was uh, which was brilliant. Well done, Aaron. Uh, Ross Ailing, gonna win five four. I think a lot of people were going down that line. I saw, saw a few fi- uh, six fives in there as well. Ian McCabe, just score more. 
Uh, and uh, William just said, why bother defending? Well, we'll come on to the defence in a minute. Uh, the first deal of the day all revolves around Ryan Sessegnon and Josh Onoma. Let, let's just touch on Ryan Sessegnon first because, well, it, it's a, it's an emotional issue for Fulham fans and Ryan Sessegnon has come through the club. He was the first player to score in the English Professional League, born after 2000. Um, it's a once-in-a-generation talent, is how I put it, when I wrote a piece on the Fulhamish website earlier about Sessegnon. Farrell, I don't think any Fulham fan really begrudges him this move, thinking about it, apart from maybe one or two, well, almost idiots, really. Yeah, let's not name those idiots. But... Um, I was thinking about Ryan Sessegnon as I as I do usually every morning on the way to work, um, and obviously on this morning in particular, I was focusing on him quite a lot. In the sense that all I could sense was the the pride that I felt that Fulham Football Club was able to produce what is a potentially uh, a world star and someone before his 19th birthday has already played 120 times for Fulham Football Club in you know in the last you know not not last season in particular, but the season, the two seasons before that, probably the most successful in the division one in, well, pretty much anyone's memory, even going back to some of the older generation before the Premier League years. Um, you know, this is a kid who's, who's risen through the ranks, who's made an almost instant impact on his second appearance. He got, he got a goal uh, against Cardiff at 16 years old. This is a kid who's, who's shown, immense pride for playing for Fulham Football Club and we have an immense pride looking at him and you know there's we're not we're not a team that's going to go out there and win many trophies we're not a team that's going to be challenger in the Premier League title unless something completely ridiculous happens but the success as I can see is is bringing young talent through and if those young talent can make an absolute name for themselves then you know it will just start this conveyor belt of more people coming through and you know, it's 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 easy to forget of the other academy people that have come through in recent memory. You know, looking just uh, you're looking at Dembele and Patrick Roberts. I feel immense pride them being a success around, and I I, I feel like I'm going to have immense pride looking at Ryan Sessegnon when he's lifting the World Cup in 2026. Can't wait for that one. Um, Ben, uh, Ryan's been at Fulham for 11 years. He was obviously brilliant in that promotion season for us in the championship where 16 goals, 8 assists, played pretty much every game that season. Last year in the Premier League, I think even by his own standards and own admission, he wasn't fully up to the level last year, apart from a few glimpses here and there. Do you think he'll be a success for Spurs? Obviously, I think my overriding answer is always going to be yes because I believe that Ryan is as you described earlier once in a, in a lifetime and a once in a generation talent of, of English football and especially um, coming out of, of Fulham Football Club but if you look at the club that he's joined this is a, a club that's on a, an upward trajectory with probably one of the best training grounds in the whole world uh, a brand new state of the art stadium and most importantly an infrastructure and a manager that is probably second best in the world behind in my opinion Pep Guardiola so he couldn't have joined a better club on a, on a, on a more um, upward trajectory as I've previously said. And I think that you would need to give Ryan a couple more years, maybe just to get used to playing under Poch. Most people um, that go and join Tottenham take normally around six to nine months to adapt to the way that he wants them to play. But Ryan's always been a quick learner and you saw that from when he came in at 16 and 
he adapted to the football played by Jukanovic and made an instant impact in that team. And as Farrell said, scored in his second appearance, but weighed in with goals and assists throughout all of his 120 appearances for Fulham under three different managers. And we started to see him shine again under Scott towards the end of the year. And, you know, I'm really not surprised that he's gone for the fee that he has. And I'm surprised, I'm not surprised he's gone for the club that he has. And I think it's probably the most sensible decision for him to pick a side that is clearly on its way up and not a side like Manchester United who seem to be all over the shop at the moment and they don't know whether they're coming or going on whose manager is probably not going to last the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I am really upset that that Cessignon has gone, and I, there was a there was a small feeling inside of me that maybe the Cessignon deal wasn't going to happen. I think Darren Lewis of the Mirror uh, wound Fulham fans into a frenzy earlier with tweets saying that the, the deal might have stalled, but ultimately it, it was inevitable. It was on the cards, and and just best of luck to Cessignon, and and I really really hope that the rest of his career is positive, um, and I, and you know that someone like Cess will always have a spot in his heart for Fulham and um, it it really was a little bit I was a bit emotional seeing him in that tweet that Spurs put out I didn't like the fact he was tapping the badge though Seth so I was like come on man it's only been five minutes since you left but anyway coming the other way um, it was a record sale for Fulham apparently 25 million is the reported fee which of course really isn't enough for someone assessing your talent but Given one year left on his contract, Fulham were in a situation that we almost just had to sell him for that price. And I think we've got the best we could. However, included in that deal is Joshua Onoma uh, on a three-year contract uh, with an option to extend for a further year. He's a centre midfielder. He's had uh, a few loans in his career, most notably Aston Villa. He played against us in the championship playoff final. Um, there have been quite intense words on this podcast a few times, particularly from Don Betts about Onoma. Um, Farrell, I, I don't know, really know what to make of him, but I know that Spurs fans do feel quite fondly about him. So I, I'm, I'm positive more than negative. Yeah, I think it's a positive one. It certainly feels it fits more into the mould of the transfers that Tony Khan has preached about. You know, he's young, he's got a lot of potential. He's certainly got championship experiences, as which is, you know... Um, is very, very valuable uh, where we are at the moment. Um, and I think he's got a lot to offer. I think he's he's definitely more into the mould of, of our team. He's energetic. He's incisive. Um, what he actually is uh, brings after a little bit of research I've had to do is that he does actually... Um, he, he does actually sort of make a lot of uh, dribbling and he's very... Um, he uh, attacks the fullbacks very well. Um, and Spurs fans of, who I've been talking to have said that that's what he does. He's very positive, which is what we want to see. And it kind of harks back, if we're going to keep going back to what Jukanovic did under Fulham, was that we were a very direct team and that we didn't really focus on the defensive side of things because we just attacked and dominated the ball so much. So let's look to our attacking options. And Onomar is definitely one that's going to be doing that a lot more often. Whether we're, he's going to be playing... Um, as an inverted uh, winger or, or just the more um, get the ball down to the byline like we see with the Bubakar Kamara rather than knockout is remains to be seen about what, what Parker sees for him. I don't know whether Parker actually looked to say, well, that's a player that I want. Let's do a make weight with the Sessignon deal. I don't know because there's a lot of other better youngsters at Spurs at the moment. Um, and 
you know, whether he actually will get game time now that we've got a really, really potent front three, which we're actually thinking is probably going to be Mitrovic, not Cart and Cavalero. Now we've got uh, Reed that's going to be there as well. Do you think that Onoma will have a lot of game time to actually impress? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure either. I think that it's it's 50-50 really as to how much he, he gets on the pitch. But I think the difference for me between the, the loan spell at Villa and now at, at Fulham, he, he's 22 now. When he was at Aston Villa, he was a Spurs youngster, probably still with dreams of getting into that Spurs team and maybe thought he had a future at, at White Hart Lane, Wembley Stadium, whatever you want to call it. And, and now though, he's moved to Fulham. It's a permanent deal. I think that... I think it's not fair to compare the times he had there. I imagine he'll have grown a lot as a player and he has to make this work because he's here permanently now. He can't just go back to Spurs in a year's time if it, if it all doesn't work out. If it doesn't work out here, then where where does his future lie after that? Does he have to go down another level down the football ladder? I think, I think the situations of him and Villa, and he was okay at Villa, he just didn't set the world alight. He needs to set the world alight here and... He needs to get into the starting eleven because he needs to do it for the sake of his career. I don't know if you what what you think, Ben. Well, I think there have been a few harsh words directed at Onoma, but ultimately, when he broke into that Spurs team when he was a youngster and he scored some goals in the League Cup against Gillingham, there was a massive hope for him. And actually, well, at the start of his Villa loan spell, he impressed hugely, and he was in a, a really rich vein of form. But I think he picked up a couple of niggling injuries, and, and the form subsided somewhat. And that led to him sort of falling out of favour and then having a slightly less inspiring loan spell at Sheffield United, but um, Sheffield Wednesday, sorry. But I think the thing we need to realise is that, yeah, there are plenty of Spurs youngsters out there, but that's a club that's in a completely different space now as it was two years ago. So, you know, Onoma's got a much further way to go to that first team squad. And I actually think that given that he knows Parker and he knows uh, his assistant, I think his name is Matt Wells quite well. But mm. both of those guys know how he plays. They know how, how to motivate him in the right ways. And that ultimately, we've got ourselves a player that adds depth in a number of areas. As Farrell said, he can play on the wing, but he also can play number 10 and he can also play in centre mid as well. I think one of the things we were really struggling with uh, coming into this season is that aside Kearney, Johansson and McDonald, there are no real senior midfielders in there. And should one of them drop, we're really, really short. And we found that on the bench this weekend, there was not one centre mid or natural centre mid named on that on that bench. And, and we really struggled when we needed to make changes. So if anything, Onoma adds depth. Um, we need to get him motivated and play in the right way. But ultimately, I think he will bring quality. As you said, he's still 22. So it's a good signing for us. And we've got him for three years and we can nurture him into the player we want him to be. I think there was a lot of concern with the fan base when we signed Cavaliero and Knockart because they're slightly older than that 27 that Tony banged on about. Mm. And um, obviously Onoma is only 22 and you've got Harrison Reed who will come on to who's only 24. So it's two signings that with a view to a permanent move could actually play into our long-term future quite a lot. Um, well, you mentioned Reed. Let's, let's move on to him now. Um, yeah. I'll be honest, at 8am eight, 8 this morning when I when I woke up, I live a life of luxury, um, <laughs> I didn't know that much about Harrison Reed, but here he is and uh, 
at the end, by the end of the day, I'm recording a podcast about him. Uh, he's a midfielder from Southampton. Uh, he was on a season-long loan last year at Blackburn. He's on a season-long loan uh, with us. He's 24. He's a product of the famous Southampton uh, Academy, represented England at under-19 and under-20 level. All I really know is that Blackburn fans rate him very, very highly. Seem like describe him as a tough tackling central midfielder. Sounds like he might fill that that Callum Chambers void. That uh, obviously we can't get Chambers back this season. He's a bit of a notch above. But Harrison Reed might just do a job in there. I, I remember Harrison Reed from actually the season before that when he was on loan at Norwich. Um, when they came to Fulham on, I think it was the first game of the season. And he looked really, really good. And Norwich were, were well on top of Fulham in that game. And he was pulling all the strings. And I thought, this guy's probably going to be someone to watch out for. Norwich were really aiming for the playoffs at the very least, but ended up having a fairly disappointing season. But I've got a few friends that support Norwich and they always remind me of how good he was during that season and how good he is actually on the ball as well as being quite a physical player. So although he is fairly short, uh, he is very aggressive in the tackle. He can get around the pitch very well but he also can read the game particularly well and he's passing spot on so I think if it feels like he's going to be the backup or main challenger to Kevin McDonald for that season and I think it would maybe be sort of our this season's version of Ollie Norwood but maybe not on the same level as quality as Norwood was. Yeah, exactly. I think there's there's interesting comparisons there. It gives us some some good depth as well. And I think it's always great when when other opposition fans are disappointed that they're not going to them. And uh, we spoke to a couple of the guys at Rovers Chat, our new friends over at Rovers Chat, um, who uh, who were very complimentary about him. Farrell, any any thought? Final thoughts on, on Harrison Reed? Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head that he's our kind of version of, of Callum Chambers in the sense that he is versatile. You know, he can play in any number of positions and he could be a very, very useful squad player. And it kind of touches on to the fact that, yes, we didn't get any defensive positions in, but, you know, we have lost Terry and Anguisa, although we couldn't rely on them for this season. You know, we have to replace them because they got a lot, they got a hell of a lot of game time last year and those those positions need to be filled. Um, and Reed and Onoma seem to fit those bills to, to a to a degree somewhat. Um, so we shouldn't be disappointed with Harrison Reed. Blackburn fans are obviously very disappointed that he's gone. Um, he has had some game time for Southampton down the years, so they obviously rated him quite highly. It's just not work, worked out for him just yet there. Um, another set of fans who were disappointed to see their players go with, with Cardiff today uh, Bobby Reed, the other Reed. I- I'm amazed that Fulham didn't make more of the double Reed um, with the announcements <laughs> I thought that was an absolute home banker given the fact they love to um, do a pun every time someone signs part of me does wonder if that's part of the reason why we're so slow to announce transfers is because the comms team are there in a meeting desperately trying to think of a pun um, for, for Josh Onoma, although I do actually think phenomenal was 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 quite good. I that was really good, yeah. Yeah, fair play, lads, fair play. Uh, Bobby Reed, though, has signed. Uh, Dazzler was was Bobby Reed's um, pun, as 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 if you want to put it that way. Uh, and he signed on loan from Cardiff, um, and with a view to a permanent move, which uh, from all reports in Wales seems to be about the ten million mark. Another signing, Farrell, who at eight AM I had no idea would be joining Fulham, but I'm I'm really on board with this. I really like Bobby Reed. I've got so much time for him. I'm really excited. 
I am very, very excited about the thought of having Bobby Reed in a Fulham shirt. I don't know whether Parker's thinking that there's a different style style of, of or shape to Fulham because I can't see him displacing Mitrovic in the side and I can't really see him playing out wide. So he's more sort of like a second striker type of thing or he's just a different option for Mitrovic. I don't know. Perhaps maybe he's thinking we're going to go to a 4-1, 4, uh, 4-1 kind of system with... Um, you know, with Kenny floating and Bobby Reed in and around Mitrovic a bit more, trying to get close to him. When I was watching the, the well, when I was uh, sorry, when I was watching the Barnsley game at the weekend, it did strike me how isolated uh, Mitrovic was, and it was you know it was up to try uh, Calavillero and Knockhart trying to um, unlock the fullbacks and trying to get closer to Mitrovic with the ball. But when the ball was actually lofted up to Mitrovic, there wasn't really anyone around him. So Bobby Reed is going to be that person that's going to be feeding off him quite a lot. And he is something up top um, that we haven't had for quite some time. Is is someone who's really, really energetic. He kind of reminds me of, of Andy Johnson in that regard. Someone who brings a lot more to the team up top, um, going down the channels, uh, really upset, unsettling the back line and trying to make space for Mitrovic as well to, uh, to have more free shots on goal. I think he's the type of player that we could utilise really, really well on and off the bench. Um, and Ben, I guess another advantage is that there's no way that Bobby Reed can score against us this season because it is life, death, taxes and, and Bobby Reed will score against Fulham. <laughs> yeah, he's got a really bad habit of, of scoring against us for all the clubs he's played against. And I'm the same as you and I'm the same as Farrell. Really, really on board with this transfer and I really like it. I think it's going to bring another dimension to Fulham, a little bit more pace through the middle. Uh, Where would you play him? I quite like him through the middle, actually, um, as a striker, because I think it allows us to press much more than we would with Mitrovic up front. And like Farrell said, Mitrovic was really isolated against Barnsley, but it also meant that we weren't able to press them properly mm. and we weren't able to pressure that midfield. So we, it made us really easy to play for, play through. So I think that if we get someone like Reed in and we play him up front and we get players in and around him, he could be really, really successful for us. Um, I, I'm really on board with it. Obviously, Joe Bryan, my new best mate, is really, really happy <laughs> with him coming along. Um, and, and I am as well. And I think 10 million is not too bad. But one thing I think we should we should really mention is that he tried to rebrand himself when he was in the Premier League as Bobby de Cardovia Reed. De Cardova Reed, yeah. I'm, de Cardova Reed, yeah. I mean, if he wants to be called Day, he wants to be called that, but it's just a bit more of a mouthful than just Bobby Reed. But if he wants to be called, uh, his his name on the website is Decadova Reed. So fine, if that's what we got to call him, that's what he wants to be called. But good luck, I mean, Ivan Berry. That's a big time rebrand. <laughs> well, well, Farrell, I was actually really impressed the way you pronounced the Huddersfield right back. I still, I, how, what, what did you say it was again? Hardigadonage. Yeah. That's that's impressive, no, isn't it? No, it's Hardigadonage, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, harder than gonads, whatever. <laughs> we know, we know who we're talking about. Well, yeah, I imagine gentleman Jim is a very relieved man this evening that uh, he didn't sign for us and start it right back <laughs> on Saturday. Um, we have to come on to it. We've been very positive uh, so far in the podcast. The defence and the lack of signings in that area at all. I was hoping for at least a centre-back and a right-back. In the end, we got absolutely neither. Looks like we were never really in the market for a right-back. Don't forget, we can always sign free agents and, and you know, someone like Danny Simpson is still, unless he signed for someone today, um, available on a freeze. There are options 
out there and maybe that's the road that Fulham are looking to go down I don't know but Michael Hector was the one linked with us today and I'd been hoping for him more than anyone today I mean I'm happy with the three signings we've made but I really wanted Michael Hector Uh, according to uh, various sources I know that uh, Simon Peach said this on Twitter I've also had it confirmed for a few other people that uh, Hector will be signing or, or should be signing for Fulham on January the 1st I think the slow funds coming from Spurs to Fulham, um, which are now allowed us to kind of pay the money for Michael Hector, meant that they just couldn't get Hector's paperwork and medical done in time. It left them with an hour and a half to try and rush it through, and they just could not meet the five o'clock deadline. Um, Farrell, it, it seems a shame it's come down to this, and I'm angry, but also I can also see how it's happened, but... It, it is a shocker that we are going into this season without any defensive reinforcement. What is what is weird about um, all of this is that we have known for almost two years that Ryan Fredericks would be leaving, you know, would be leaving Fulham. And he was our first choice right back. And, um, you know, we brought in Cyrus Christie and we already knew that he wasn't going to make the grade because he wasn't even close to challenging Ryan Fredericks in those six months in that promotion season. And so it is, it's still hanging over our heads that we still don't have a right back that is capable of getting, well, that is strong enough to, to, to get Fulham out the, out the league, not just putting it all on him, but you know, you need, you know, you're only strong as your weakest player. And I, I feel like that right back slot is 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 certainly like a gaping hole and a big weak spot all down that right hand side. And uh, we've known we've known about it for such a long time, and yet nothing has happened since. Um, in terms of like the centre backs, I, I think it's less of an issue. We do have four very capable senior centre backs who have well three of three of which have played at this level. One of which has played at a pretty high level and isn't even that old in Maxime Lamarche on the rest of them are very, very capable. Let's be honest. Um, it's the right back. I feel like it's the most, most of an issue. Yes. We have players like Steven Sessignon waiting to come on. We've also got other young players. Apoku is, is very highly rated as, uh, in the academy. Yeah. Marlon Fossey. Um, and Marlon Fossey could play a fullback as well. I think there are players who are very highly rated in the academy um, who could fill in? They've all been given squad numbers. They're all ready and willing. They've already they've already travelled with the with the squad um, to many games without actually getting on the pitch. They they do think that they're there. I just feel like, at the, you know, with Stephen Sessignon, who's already been given friendly time, who doesn't seem to be getting any game time in the first team. They obviously don't rate him highly enough to sort of displace Cyrus Christie at the moment. I feel like it still is a gaping hole. If they didn't if they didn't think it was a gaping hole, they would have filled it by now. Ben, do you agree that we're okay for cover at centre-back? Because I'm not sure I agree. Uh, yes, I'm with you, Sammy. I'm not sure I, I quite agree either. I think there's a couple of, of, of big holes, um, mainly Belgian-shaped holes that probably shouldn't be playing at centre-half anymore. Um, I do feel a little bit more comfortable now that I know Tim Ream is back and he should be with us in a couple of weeks because let's not forget just over a season ago he was our player of the year and was was incredibly comfortable at that level if he can maintain or get anywhere near that level then I think that partnership of Ream and Mawson could really get us far but like I said again it's that depth and that quality and depth because you look at Maxime Lamarchand and he didn't look entirely comfortable with the physicality of the championship this weekend just gone. Um, he injured himself fairly fairly easily 
and early on this game as well, and it left us short at the back. And yeah, I'm not. I'm not too comfortable with Dennis playing centre-half again. I wasn't a big fan of it in the year. He got promoted and I think his pace papers up over a lot of the cracks that he leaves there. And I think, actually, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, and probably quite scathing in my words, I think it's a massive error that you haven't brought in a new centre-half at the very least. And then right back is, is absolutely despicable that you haven't brought in someone to challenge Cyrus Christie at the very least because God knows we need it. I think there's only one nailed-on player that is going to start most games for us in that defence and well two actually it's going to be Joe Bryan and Alfie Mawson and we need to really hope that Alfie stays fit for the majority of this season because he, we did take a massive uptown when he was fit in the Premier League and we started to get on track before he was injured so let's hope we see more of his influence in the games upcoming but I think it's a travesty that we haven't signed more defensive re- reinforcements as I said at the beginning of the podcast worst defence in Europe last year and we haven't looked defensively sound for for a while and it's sort of like TK got a little bit distracted by signing lots and lots of midfielders and and wingers and sort of forgot about the back and let's not let's not let the three good times we've made today distract us from the fact that we haven't reinforced arguably our weakest part of the squad yeah and and I, and I fully agree with you Ben I think for me I understand that we're on a tight leash with financial fair play and it's an indication that we've signed lots of loans and that we were waiting for that Sessegnon money in order to unlock a transfer like Michael Hector because Chelsea weren't willing to loan a player who's on the final year of their contract that's their policy so we needed money in order to get Michael Hector and until that Sessegnon money came in we couldn't do much and then it came in too late and, and we were stuck but what I don't get I, the Sessegnon deal well, has been on the cards for months and actually yeah. should we have just taken a lower offer from Spurs maybe not had to faff around with Joshua Onoma as excited as I am to see him in a Fulham shirt taking that lower offer because effectively we've hampered ourselves for six months and the cost of that could be way more than however extra much we negotiated from um, Spurs by holding it to the last second. I don't know the ins and outs, but surely this could have been fixed. I feel exactly the same as you, Sammy. We've known about this transfer for, for weeks on end now. It has never gone away since the, the season, uh, the moment the season ended. The moment Seth went off to the Euros and then got injured, it was it felt like it was inevitably going to happen. And we, we've waited weeks and weeks for this money to come in. When we, in like... We knew that this was going to happen. We knew that those funds were going to unlock other transfers. But there's two, also two glaring errors even before the CES transfer because we've sold two, well, we've loaned out two really big assets to clubs in Europe where we could have actually got a permanent deal and money earlier in Surrey and Angisa. Surrey, it was reported, uh, we could have had offers up to 20 million for him from Italian clubs that would have unlocked funds way earlier in the window. The same with Anguissa. I don't, I don't see the point in loaning out Anguissa because if we don't go up this year, he's just simply not going to come back. So we may as well have just got those, that money in earlier in the window and just really gone for it. And especially with someone that's been linked as long as Michael Hector has been with us, we could have secured that, that signature earlier. I think for all the good that we've done in this window, again with Fulham and and the defensive side of the game, we really seem to be lacking and we really seem to be lacking an organisation to get people in early and in key positions. Uh, Farrell, a final thought from you on on everything, including Michael Hector and and everything that me and Ben have just discussed. Well, a lot of the rumours that have been coming out over the, well, just general football world, 
tend to have some sort of legs now, uh, regardless of what's happened in the past. You know, in 2000, 2019, you know, a lot of the rumours now do have, seem to have a little bit of substance around them. And, you know, only today were we ever linked with anyone vaguely defensive. Um, and that is a little bit troubling considering everyone in the football sphere has, has said that Fulham need some sort of defensive cover especially in the centre-back and right-back positions, two of the three main positions at the back. And yet, only today have we been linked with, you know, two or three anywhere that people are defensive, and yet we didn't bring in anyone in particular in. And I think that is a, a, a massive shame, especially for someone, especially as a team that has a massive financial clout, especially as a team that had financial assets like Anguisa correctly, like Seri correctly, have been pointed out that we could have shifted on for a bit of a loss. That's fine. You know, we are trying to, as a as a business, trying to sort of get back to the promised land and the riches of the Premier League. Surely we can take, cut a loss on these players and cut a loss on the wages just for, you know, to, um, to, to free up to go elsewhere because, of, you know, we've got the financial fair play uh, now. So I feel that there is a massive hole there. But on the other hand, you know, good players coming to, wanting to come to the championship, especially defenders, especially in those two specific positions, maybe there wasn't anyone available that wanted to come. And I'd much rather, you know, try and search for the particularly right player that wants to come to fit into a system, you know, a really good ball playing centre back who's got a good head um good head on their shoulders, someone who's really, really um experienced. Maybe there wasn't that anyone around who really wanted to come to Fulham. But, you know, that is something that's just being plucked out of thin air. Maybe they really, maybe the focus was just on the attack and midfield. Maybe they think that the, what we have there is 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 good enough, and I I just really don't think that is the correct answer. Well, um, boys, thank you very much for that. We're going to take a little bit of a break now and uh, have a bit of um, analysis on Saturday's Blackburn game. Uh, Dom, George Cooper and Jack Kelly were on the Love Sport Fan Show last night and they caught up with Blackburn fan Ryan Hildred and started off by asking him how he's feeling about Blackburn this season. Amazing the difference a week makes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I think yeah, we share we, that feeling. <laughs> I know, I know. Um as I said last week, very stable summer for us. Um, but the team selection on Saturday shocked a lot of us. Um, you I feel know, like we're just week, like the sharing hot... the same emotions. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I, um, I shared last week the weaknesses that we had at fullback. And um, yeah, Mowbray shot himself in the foot a little bit playing Elliot Bennett there again. Um, he didn't have a good game and none of the defence did really. So Charlton, I think, had, you know, three or four attacks, never really any sustained pressure. But, um, we folded like a pack of cards, really. So the same back four that um, caused us problems last season started the game on Saturday. And ultimately, um, yeah, Charlton deserved winners based on our defensive performance, really. So, yeah, feeling a lot less confident this Saturday, that's for sure. Well, see, even after the loss to a Charlton on the weekend, what, what are the aims for Blackburn this season? Is, just, is it just sort of stability in, in mid-table or is there sort of a, a look to sort of push for the playoffs? Yeah, well, last week I said on the show that we've got to be aiming for playoffs and I based it a lot around um, the future of Bradley Dack because, you know, hopefully we can get through tomorrow with him still at the club. But I do think a lot of our transfer activity is probably on the basis of him going at some point and there might be a bit of a golden handshake going on with Mowbray. So, 
Dak is integral to us, you know, reaching the Premier League, which has been, you know, said by Tony Moby before. That's the ultimate aim. So we've got to aim for the playoffs. And I think a lot of the championship is in transition with new managers or FFP regulations or whatever. So we've got to try and take advantage of an opportunity um, and go for those playoffs. But possibly will be a bit too far. I did say that last week, but, you know, as a fan, we've got to aim for it. But stability, yes, after, you know, seven years of of chaos it's nice to have stable seasons most certainly yeah obviously when we obviously it's our first home game and it's obviously going to be a weird one for us because you know we're going to be missing a stand uh, i think it's just the first time that fulham fans are going to see that oh what are blackburn sort of hopes going into saturday i'm expecting i'm expecting to see them get a shock win and make fulham have two losses out of two or are they just hoping to come away without being too badly bruised um, I don't think any of us will expect a win. Maybe we can try and hope for a, min- a win, maybe catch Fulham off guard after the Barnsley defeat. But um, our record last season um, against the likes of United, Norwich, Villa, you know, that top six, seven all away from home, I think we lost them all bar one, which was um, which was Derby. I think we drew nil-nil. So our record against the better sides in the division, which is where I'd class Fulham, um, you know, away from home is not very good. So, if we can get a point um, and you know, kind of avoid back-to-back defeats, that'll be a success in my eyes, certainly. Ryan, you mentioned last week that the aim for Blackburn has to be the playoffs. You're pushing on. You know, why else wouldn't that be the aim? I know it's only one game, but do you sort of take yourself out of that now and go, "Oh, we're actually not as good as we think we are. Maybe this is going to be a much longer season than I first expected." No, I, I don't take us out of it. I think it's given us a bit of realism about actually there are some fundamental defensive issues there. Um, we've still got tomorrow for the window. Let's see if Moby does pull anything out. Let's see where we are also in January. Um, might make some defensive additions there. I think last season proved with the likes of Bristol City and Preston and Sheffield United, you know, those teams, not Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday, sorry, all coming from nowhere and, and making a bit of a push. You just got to kind of hang in there, and you know, around February, March time, just make that late push. So, don't take us out of it. Most certainly not, but just maybe a dose of realism about the state of our defence. Certainly, everyone looks at Bradley Dack as you know Blackburn's most dangerous player. Which is, do you think that's short-sighted, or is he so key to the way you play? Very key to the way we play. Um, last season, definitely key to the way we play. Very much, it was centred around a Danny Graham, Bradley Dack kind of axis with. Graham is the big man and Dak feeding off his chests and his headers and stuff like that. You know, if you look at Dak's showreel, loads of his goals are in that penalty area. So that was key last season. This season, Mowbray's definitely trying to make it a bit more expansive as a front three. Um, you know, Adam Armstrong can play across that front three. Sam Gallagher can. Ben Brereton can. We had Joe Rothwell emerge last season. And we've got a young lad, Harry Chapman, as well, who's very pacey down that right wing. So I think Mowbray will try and change it away from that Dak-Graham dynamic. But he's a magician, Dak. You know, he he wants that ball all the time. He wants to be affecting it. So hopefully we can just find a new way of Dak linking with that dynamic front three rather than just the one big man in Graham up top. Yeah, obviously, obviously you spoke about the way where where you where your sort of key players are in in the team. Where, is there any aspects of the Fulham side after seeing our loss to Barnsley that you think then Mowbray will be targeting this weekend? Um, I think I look at your defence. It's certainly not as as strong as the rest of your side. I mean, I look at your front three and I look at the three in midfield. And obviously, we love Tom Kearney as well. We've still never replaced him. 
I look at those six in front of your defence and think, yeah, as good as anyone in this division. The defence still got question marks around um, around that. Maybe um, Le Marchand looks a bit, I don't know, he looked a bit dodgy in the Prem, if you ask me, and I think he got done on Saturday as well, didn't he, for the Barnsley goal. So if maybe Danny Graham can get up to him a bit physically, get Armstrong in behind, something like that. Um, you know, I think we've, we've got to try and target the defence because, I mean, pound for pound going forward and in your midfield you know you will out compete us there probably Ryan unfortunately it's that time in the show again where I ask you for a prediction I know you strongly <laughs> predicted uh, Blackburn to beat Cholton last weekend so maybe a similar yep. one and then Fulham get the result I know the Fulham boys will be happy but what are you predicting <laughs> the score will be this weekend um, historically I don't think our record at Fulham is very good I think it'll be a Fulham win I think first home game for Fulham um I do think you'll get the win. I don't like making predictions like that. If I'm being optimistic, maybe we could sneak a draw, one all. But I am expecting a Fulham win. I do, like I said last week, I was expecting us to get the job done against Charlton. I well, think Fulham will possibly get the job done on Saturday, certainly. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here, and I'm joined by Farrell Monk. Ahoy, hoy. And Ben Jarman. Hello. Uh, so thank you to Dom, George and Jack, and also to Blackburn fan Ryan Hildred of Rovers Chat. Uh, seemed like quite a new little uh, Blackburn uh, fan podcast, but they're doing really, really well, and um, they've got some good articles on their website as well. So, if you know any Rovers fans, make sure then to check them out. Um, boys, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Congratulations. You're welcome. Um, and we will be back uh, with Fulhamish on Monday. And actually, both of you are on that podcast, aren't you? So, uh, we'll discuss everything that happens at Blackburn and um, let you know what we think of the new signings at Craven Cottage on Saturday. Can't get enough of you, boys. Yeah, exactly. I know. After, uh, especially after last weekend's antics as well on uh, on my stag. Uh, right. Well, thank you, chaps. Thank you for listening to Fulhamish today. Uh, enjoy being back at the cottage on Saturday, and we will see you soon. Take care. Sure. Are.